0: When when we become faithless, God remains faithful, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise, hallelujah, you and I are here this morning because he's been faithful to us, hallelujah, praise God, hallelujah, with heart full of gratitude we say thanks to him. Shall we look to God's word? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Matthew 19, 27. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word. We pray that you will speak into our lives this morning. Release your grace upon our lives that the proclamation of God's word will be effective and productive. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we bind them in the name of Jesus Every critical spirit we still him in Jesus' name, victory in this house in Jesus name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Today's message is titled: "What's in it for Me? What's in it for me?" Then Peter asked, We left everything and followed you. What do we get out of it? Praise God. Have you ever asked this question? What am I going to get out of this? What's in it for me? Have you ever asked that question? We all have asked that question. At one point or the other. The realm of this question might differ from time to time. The domain that this question is asked might vary with people. Sometimes it's in the realms of our mind that we ask this question. Hey, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? Sometimes it comes as a conversation among our friends, among our peers, among those who we love. When we sit together, we ask this question, hey, was that what's in it for me? What do we get out of it? Sometimes, like Peter, we ask God this question. What's in it for me? Have you ever asked that question? This question is sandwiched between an event that takes place and a parable that Jesus says. In fact, the reason that Peter asked this question starts with a question By a young ruler who comes to Jesus. And poses a question to him. And as this Jesus in his discourse with this young ruler. Jesus tells him things. And this prompts this question from Peter's heart. And Jesus uses later on. As we read a parable to relay some spiritual truth to Peter and to everyone who is a child of God. So today we want to first focus on the event that transpired where Jesus is having a dialogue with a young rich ruler as the Bible puts it. The Gospel writers They talk about this in the first three Gospels. It's mentioned one way or the other. So when we put them all together and when we study it, you have a better understanding what transpired within this conversation that took place between the young rich ruler and Jesus. It's recorded in Matthew from Matthew 19, verses 16 to 30. I want you to go home and read it because we will be pondering it maybe perhaps a week or two. So this is how it unfolds. A young rich ruler runs and comes to Jesus and he kneels down before Jesus and he asks a question. It's a very interesting question that he brings. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Interesting, isn't it? See, when you think, when you and I think about a young, rich ruler, what comes to our mind? What is the stereotype thinking about a young, rich ruler. When we think about a young, rich ruler as young, someone is bursting with energy and ideas. Someone who is not afraid to attempt new things. Young, vibrant, lively, full of ideas. And then to that, you add rich, wealthy, that means he has the means to support whatever he desires. So the stereotype thinking for a young, rich ruler. What kind of a ruler? Perhaps the Bible scholar says he was probably a synagogue ruler. But whatever it is, he was a very rich, young, young, young wealthy guy. He has all the potential to live a life the way he pleases But here we see he runs up to Jesus, kneels down before him, and he poses a question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Away from the stereotype thinking, here is a young man who who is governed by godly thoughts. Here is a young man who is humble. Young and rich and humble, sometimes it's hard to go. He's so humble that he comes and he kneels down before Jesus. And his attitude, it's so different. His question is, Lord, what should I do to inherit eternal life? As young people, how many people really think about eternal life? How many people really think about how to get eternal life? If you are brought up in a church, you and I are bombarded with the scriptures that tells us that we need to have eternal life and we can receive it through Jesus Christ. But how many of us would actually ponder about eternity? How many of us would actually live in the light of eternity we are smart we do think about future but how far does our future go quite often it lingers around what goes around here but this young man he says lord what should i what should i do to inherit eternal Life. Hmm. Look at the answer that Jesus gives. What does Jesus say? The question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? answer that Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. What do you think? Is that an answer to the question? What do you think? Is that an answer to a question? Jesus is asking him, just telling him, "Why do you call me good? Only God is good." In other words, Jesus responds to him by touching not the very core of his question, but he is touching the way that he has addressed Jesus. He's addressing, he's saying, good teacher. Jesus is getting him there. He's saying, listen, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Quite often, this is one verse that is misinterpreted by people. Those who debate and want to discredit the deity of Christ. Jesus is not saying they say that. Jesus is saying that. That is God, that is now me. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is asking him is very simple. When you call me as a good teacher, I want to tell you only God is good. So as you pose this question to me, are you asking this question based on your knowledge that I am God and good? Or are you simply? simply just asking a question. See, it is very important to Christ when we approach Him and when we share our hearts to Him and how when we address Him, what is it that we are, how is it that we are addressing to Him? Quite often if you are brought up in a religious circle, in a church, you and I have been oriented or we familiarize ourselves with the religious jargon that we use. And Christ is looking at this young man and saying, Is it your understanding of who I am that causes you to address me as a good teacher? When we come in the presence of God, quite often, we speak out things without thinking. We say, Lord, Lord. Do we truly come under the Lordship of Jesus as we address him, Lord? When we say, praise God, do we really mean it? Do we wave at him? because somebody else is doing it? In other words, God is that is not interested in our lip service. He's not interested in the lip service. Whatever we do for him, when you speak to him, talk to him, he wants it to come out of the depth of our heart. In other words, do you have a direct? relational, a link with him. One day Jesus stood before Pilate and Pilate asked him a question. Are you the king of the Jews? You know what was the response of Jesus? What was the response of Jesus? Huh? Are you saying that I am or is just hearsay? Tori puts it like this. He says when you come in the presence of God and before you utter one word to him, acknowledge that you are in the presence of an almighty God and then utter one word to him. Quite often we forget this. Think about this. Whether it's prayer, worship, songs, whatever we do. Pause for a moment. Pause. Let it settle in your mind and in your spirit that you are standing before an almighty God. The one who not only hears the words that roll out of my lip, out of my tongue but one who also weighs what's going on deep within my heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Jesus is asking, why do you call me good? Do you realize that only God is good? Are you truly acknowledging that I am God, you realize? Is it because you have a, a, a understanding and a knowledge that I am God or it's just simply that you just picked up what everyone else is saying? How often we do this when we're singing? With my hands lifted up and my mouth, where's my hands? Do that. We do that. We say, I'm going to dance like David danced, but we are, what? Stuck in one place. In other words, we're not really thinking what we are saying. We are not meaning what we are saying. What Jesus is saying is, mean what you say and say what you mean when you come before him. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Praise God. In your address to him as you address him, may you recognize and acknowledge the fact, the greatness, the awesome presence of the almighty God that we serve. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Jesus now looks at this young man. And he answers the question. Jesus quotes. How many commandments are there in the Bible? How many commandments were given? Initially to the children of Israel. Ten commandments. Jesus quotes how many? Two This is what Jesus says. I want you to count. All right. He said to him. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How many is that? Six. Why did Jesus omit the four? You think he just forgot? Have you ever thought about it? No, pastor, I never thought about it because I never read about it. Uh-huh. And the man was prompt. He said, What? Been there, done it. He says, Lord, I've done it all from my young age. I have done this, I have followed. Wow. What a confidence. What a confidence. Young, rich, but he's telling Jesus, I don't know all these things. You think he was just exaggerating or it was just No. Jesus does not debate it. And his question is, what is this question? How shall I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, go follow those commandments. When you think about commandments, what comes to your mind? Why did God give the commandments? To make people understand the standards of God. God expects us to live according to the standards of God. Praise God. God wants us to understand the moral requirements of God. Jesus did not introduce the law to show the young man how to be saved, but to show him that he needed to be saved. Praise God. When you study the Old Testament, we see there was so much, so much emphasis on the works. But when we come to the New Testament, the just shall live by Praise God. We put our faith in Jesus. We put our trust in Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Praise God. Hallelujah. Faith in Jesus. Praise God. And the Old Testament emphasis works. New Testament is emphasizing, emphasizing faith. Jesus came to the earth to make it possible that which could not be attained by our efforts and our work. We are not saved by works, but we are saved unto works. Praise the Lord. We are not saved by good works, but for good works, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10. So Christ is telling him, he says, that, Lord, I've done all those things. It comes to a very interesting thing. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, And give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come, follow me. Praise God. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Praise God. When Jesus looks at us, he does not look at us like everyone else. Everyone else can only see that which is visible on the external. The eyes of God goes deep into our hearts. Praise God. It goes deep into our thoughts. It goes deep into the motives of our heart. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. How many of you know that Jesus loves us? Have you experienced the love of God firsthand, personally, in your life? Or is just God is love, God is love, God is love? We have to experience the love of God firsthand. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And said, what? You lack what thing? Love connects us and love corrects us. We like the connection that love brings. But quite often, we don't like the correction that love brings. Jesus loves us, therefore he connects with us, but he also would not hesitate to correct us. Praise God. Hallelujah. God loves us, therefore he will call you and me out. Because he loves us, he will correct us. Our parents love us, and therefore they will correct us. Those who love us will correct us. Otherwise, love is not love. How can you say that you love your friends and watch them go down the drain? I've seen people just stand by nonchalant. See their friends going down the drain. Indifferent in this area, friends. People who love us will correct us. They will not hesitate to correct us. Let me ask you. The people that you love. Do you correct them? Do you correct them? or when do when correction do, do come do we call it criticism there is something called constructive criticism but the constructive criticism should come out of a heart that is loving in nature quite often constructive criticism does not come from a heart that loves but from a heart that hates Jesus loved him, therefore he wanted to put him in place. Turn to your neighbor and tell me, if you love me, put me in place. Ah, oh boy. I see somebody saying, I wish you would have asked this early. I was waiting all this time to put you in place. Thank you, pastor. I think that's inspired. Love connects and corrects. Praise God. Hallelujah. So when the Lord do corrects, we should be in a willing, it should be in a place to receive it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The loving heart of God. Praise God. What else do you think is involved in this correction? God loves us, he will correct us. God loves us, he will also chastise us. Oh, that's not a good pastor. Why are you talking about that? That's true. The writer of Hebrews argues, Which father who loves his son would withhold correction, chastisement from his children? We don't like it, but that's the fact correcting hand is directed and controlled by a loving heart. Jesus tells him, I love you, listen, I love you. But I need to correct you. Praise God. Look at this verse. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect What is this? I'm not talking about sinless perfection here. See, there is something that you lack. There's one thing that you lack. Go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. One thing you lack. Jesus goes beyond our expressions, beyond our words, beyond our exhibitions. He goes beyond the facades and he looks into our hearts and he says, what is it that you lack? He says, I want you to be perfect. There are people who like to live a very shallow Christian life. A lot of Christians like to live a shallow Christian life. Somewhere in between, a mediocre kind of Christian life. What what is it that God expects from us? God wants you and I to aim for perfection. God wants you and I to aim for excellence. God wants you and I to aim for holiness God wants you and I to aim for to become like Him. Remember what Jesus said? Just like your Heavenly Father is perfect, you will also be what? Perfect. Praise God. Hallelujah. He wants you and I to live a victorious life, a conqueror kind of life. He wants us to experience the abundance of life. He wants us to experience the overcoming life. Is it possible? What do you think? Is it possible? Is it possible to live an overcoming life? Is it possible to shoot for perfection? Is it possible to shoot for excellence? Is it? Huh? Come on. We are born of the incorruptible seed. Praise God. We have the divine nature in us. Praise God. We have the paraclete, the comforter, the counselor within us. Wow. Praise God. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, that, that we are perfect. No, that's not what we're saying. What we are saying is God has made every provision and embedded within you the ability to live in excellence. The Holy Spirit abides within us. Which can empower us, energize us, enrich us, and enable us to live a life that is pleasing to Him. Praise God. Hallelujah. The question is, are we living a life that is pleasing to God? We need to ask that question to ourselves. Lord, am I living a life that is pleasing to you? As dear children of God, do we strive to do the word of God and to do the will of God? What does Jesus tell him? Jesus tell him, "Listen, you lack one thing: go sell what you possess and give it to the poor. How many of us are rich? One, one hand up there. I like to put myself in the rich category. Some of us are born rich. Some of, some, of, some of us have become rich. Some of us just place ourselves in the rich category. And I am I'm in the third grade. I like to place myself in the rich. What is Jesus saying? I know all you rich brothers and sisters are like sitting on needles now. What is Jesus saying? Is Jesus saying that go and sell everything that you have and then you will have eternal life? If you are rich, is Jesus saying that go and just, you know, give your wealth to somebody else and become, you know. Is that what Jesus is saying? You look at the scripture. Abraham was known as a friend of God and he was rich. Rich. David was known as a man after God's own heart and he was, he was rich. If you doubt, go home, read the Bible, see what David left into his son's hand to build the temple. Man was rich. Job was the wealthiest man who lived at that time. The Bible says he was a righteous man, he was a blameless man, and he shunned from evil. God testified about Job and challenged Satan. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man. Zacchaeus was a rich man. So being rich is a crime, is it? Yes or no? No! No. So that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying being rich is a crime, that every rich man should go and just give out all his wealth. Is that what Jesus said? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Praise God. Look what Jesus is saying. <laughs> if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me go sell what you you possess question what do you possess what do you possess what are we doing with our possessions for some it's dollars for some we have lots of time for some we have energy bursting with energy we all have something that we can give but what are you doing the issue with the young man here was not The possessions, the possessions had had taken a possession of him. Do you possess your possession or your possession possesses you? If our possessions are possessing us, Jesus would tell us to get that up. Anything that would come into an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's what Jesus says. Jesus did not debate about this guy. He did not say that. Listen, you know, he said, I'm doing all these things. Jesus did not debate about it. But Jesus said, one thing that you lack. Your possessions have got a hold of you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you possess? How do you use what God has given you? Praise God. Hallelujah. You know the other day we went out. We were nearly done with Saturate Hicksville. So glad to see young and old. Children and senior citizens all working together. Using their time, their Energy. For reaching out. Here the poor signifies those who are needy. Praise God. Use what God has given you to reach out to the people who are needy. Regardless of what that need falls under. Now watch it. What is it that Jesus is telling this young man? If you would be perfect go sell what you possess and give to the Poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. What is Jesus trying to tell him? Jesus is telling him, listen, transfer your investment from this domain to that domain. That's all. That's all Jesus is saying. You, what you possess, give. And you will have treasures in heaven. Quite often we are reluctant to give because we feel that it's being taken away from us. But Jesus is saying, as you give, what are you doing? You are transferring Praise God. From this domain to that domain. This domain is not t- it's temporal in nature. In this domain, everything that you have will fade away with time. But send your treasures, invest your investment in that domain where it will never perish. Praise God. How are you in the habit of wiring money wiring money to when you are when you are wiring money to somebody who is needy when you are blessing someone who is needy when you are when you are you you are Helping out to people who are in needy, what you are basically doing is you are making an investment in your name. In your name, Jesus does not say, Give it to me. That's not what he's saying. He says, You do this, and you, you who has done this, you will have treasures in. How does your investment portfolio look? Praise God. I wish and I pray that all of you have big fat investment portfolio. Not only here, but there also. You don't want to go there and find out that. That, oh man, I've made all those investments. But there's nothing over there. Everything is over here. Praise God. Your name. Under your name. Praise God. If you're not in the habit of doing. I encourage you to do. And teach your children to do that. You can only teach what you are practicing. If you're cutting out on God. I'm telling you. Your kids are going to pick it out. They're going to pick that up. If you're cutting corners with God. Your children will pick it up. You want them to be rich here and you want to be they want to be rich over there. For that, what Jesus was doing was what? Redirecting his attention and his affection from this realm to that realm. Diverting our attention. From that which is temporal to that which is eternal. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You will have treasures in heaven. Praise God. And Jesus says, then you do what? You come and follow me. Christian life is a balanced Christian life. Quite often we come with a consumer mindset. Give, 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 give. What is it in What is it for me? What am I going to get out of this? When I come to service, what am I going to get out of it? Yeah. You're supposed to get something out of the service. But what is the mindset that governs us? Are we willing to give to him? That which is due to his name. Praise God. Are we willing to change our investment from this realm to that realm? Praise God. Jesus says when you've done that you come and follow me. Praise God. Renounce things that you need to renounce. And follow. Renouncing and following is equally important. Everything that stands as a hindrance between you and Christ. Praise God. Some follow without renouncing. Some renounce without following. Both is equally important. Praise God. If you want to be perfect, in other words, what? The affection is on something else. God wants our love for Him to be complete hand full let no one else take that portion of your life praise God one of the uniqueness of a love that is perfect towards God is nothing is expected in return see Peter's question is what is it that I'm going to get in return I'm going to come to that look at the response of this young man but when the young man heard this, he left grieving and distressed for he owned much property and had many possessions, which he, which, he, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. That's what the key is. He treasured his possession more than his relationship to God. That's why Jesus told him to sell everything and come follow me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do we treasure more? Relationship with Him or the things of the world that gives us goosebumps? Praise God. Hmm? The Bible says that when the young man heard this, he left grieved and distressed. Look, look he asked the right question. He asked the right question so many times. We ask the right questions. Someone mastered the art of asking the right questions. Jesus gave him the right answer. But he made the wrong choice. How often we ask the right questions. And God gives us the right answers. But we make the wrong choices in our life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus looked at him and realized that there was this element in his life that stood between him and his relationship with God. When God puts us on his scale, he knows where we fall short, and every one of us might be short here and there. Everyone is different. When God put Belshazzar on the scale, he said, "I have weighed you on my scale, and I have found you wanting." God looked at the church in Laodicea and said, You have a name that you are alive, but you are actually dead. You say that you are rich, but you are actually poor. God wants all of us to be rich. Number one, rich in the realms of God. Rich in the things of God. Rich what matters to God. Rich in the kingdom of God, number one. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me ask you. What has gotten hold of your love? It's the things of this world. Has something come between you and God? When you give yourself to God. Nothing else should stand in between. The Bible says you have been brought with a price. You are not your own. You belong to God. Let me ask you. Do you believe that? How many of you believe that you belong to God? We all believe that we all belong to God? Yes. If we belong to God, do you think what we have belongs to God? Yes. If we belong to God, what we have belongs to Him. What he has given us, he wants us to enjoy at the same time. Don't forget that here we do not have an enduring city. We look forward to the city with foundation whose builder and architect is God. Here we do not put our trust here. We are people who are traveling and marching yonder to that eternal place that God has prepared for you and for me. Praise God. Jesus says, you know, this guy, you know, he was whole disheartened and grieved and he walked away. And Jesus made a statement. Says, how hard it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. What he meant was simply this, that those who do not put their trust in God, but anything and everything else that the world has to offer, misses out on what God has for us. Don't let anything miss you out on what God has for us. That's when Jesus makes a statement. You know, Peter says, then who can be saved? Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I like the way how message puts it. Message says, Jesus looked hard at them and said, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off yourself. Every chance in the world, if you trust God for it, are we trusting God for it? Hey, listen, we trust God for salvation, we trust God for sustenance, we trust God for security. Praise God, hallelujah. Eternal security, here's security and eternal security. We trust God for our sustenance. There is anyone here who's thinking, How am I gonna go tomorrow? I want to tell you, God cares for you. Maybe you're sitting here with anxieties and inhibitions. Worried and worried, what's how things are going to work out for tomorrow? I want to tell you on the basis of God's word, God cares for you and He will see you through. Praise God, hallelujah! You can trust God, but to Peter, He says, But when you are the greatest, now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be greatest then. Praise God. Because Peter's question was, Lord, we left everything. What is in it for me? I've done so much for you. What is it in for me? I work hard for you. What is it in for me? i worked hard for the church. What is it in for me? I've given so much. What is it in for me? I've given my energy. What is it in for me? True love. Do not expect a return. We'll talk about it. Praise God. Jesus is saying, listen. Don't be so, so big in your own eyes. Because one day everyone will be surprised. Those who think... They are greatest, will be least important then, and those who are unnoticed now, those who seem least important now, will be the greatest then. Praise God. Question is, what is in it for me? The answer is everything. Hang on in there. Hang in there. Don't give up your hope. Don't give up on God. Praise God. Do what he's telling you to do. Praise God. Invest into the kingdom of God. And you will never go wrong. We'll continue, God willing, the week after. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we come in the name of Jesus. We pray that nothing will come in between you and our love for God. Father, we pray that which comes in between you and between you and our relationship father we pray that we will have the wisdom and the grace to handle it and to steer it in such a way that our affections and our love for you will not be splintered father that our devotion and our dedication will not be splintered but would be directed towards you and you alone Help us to realize that you are a generous God. You are a good God. You are a God who cares for us. In Jesus' name we pray.